<laughs> Third and Passion Hell No by Michael Rappaport. And of course, uh, this time on the program, what do we do? We talk to human potential and parenting expert Nikki Bush. So why the heck not ask you, Nikki? Good morning, first of all. Good morning, Rafael. <laughs> you heard that clip, right, that I just played. Why do we do this? As uh, partners or in relationships, what are we trying to actually ascertain when we set up hypothetical scenarios for our partners? It's it's more than just, by the way, I'd approve of you getting with one of my friends. <laughs> Something deeper is happening here. What do you think it is, Nikki? You know, I think we have such a deep need and desire for affirmation and validation. And I think, you know, uh, she's just really wanting him to say, there'll be nobody else but you in my life forever exactly. and ever and ever. <laughs> I'll never love anyone like I love you. <laughs> exactly. That's really what's happening. That's the answer you really want. That is the answer you really want like babe after you there's nobody else i'm closing up shop okay my heart will be vacant forever um i'll only focus on the kids to you. it belongs to you yeah that's really what's happening over here really really fascinating but uh, i found it hilarious that she said don't embarrass me as if you know when you're dead you can feel <laughs> embarrassment but yeah i guess also wanting to control situations beyond, beyond from the, the grave, grave. Yeah. <laughs> really fascinating stuff uh give us a shout at 0727021702 if you can relate to this if you do this um, and do you agree with Nikki that actually what you're seeking in this conversation and setting up these hypotheticals is that ultimate validation that actually should something happen to you um, yeah he's he'll, he'll hold on to your love forever for the rest of his life at any rate um, 011-883-0702 but of course very very shortly with Nikki we're going to be talking how parents can help children expand their emotional vocabulary 702. Call Rafilwe on 011-883-0702. So to the business at hand, Nikki, and why you came into studio this morning, uh, as we do every Saturday, we talk uh, we talk about uh, or talk to parents uh, about their children and how best they can nurture them in ways that will unlock that potential as much as possible. We're looking at how to help children expand their emotional vocabulary. And I guess you will flesh out for us what that means. Is it how children articulate how they're feeling? Is it how children, in fact, identify before articulation their emotions and what they're going through? Rafael, where there are degrees of feelings, there are degrees of emotions. Mm. And what we're seeing with a lot of children today is that they don't have the words to explain how they feel. They have a very limited vocabulary. And I think with two and a half years of lockdown, Mm -hmm. of being on screen, of not having physical interactions with their peers, that vocabulary shrunk in the same way as their social network, the physical social network shrunk Mm -hmm. as well. Mm. And I have just had the most amazing week of traveling around Johannesburg and speaking in person at real life events with real people. <laughs> and even yeah, still, I, still, uh, still something to get used to. It, it is yeah. actually, you know what I, what I noticed is that it gave me more context for each of the audiences I spoke to. Of course. And that was my big learning this week is that while virtual works 
and it certainly is a solution. You lose a lot of depth and you lose a lot of context for the people you are connecting with because you're kind of connecting in a vacuum. Mm. And so there was a school that I spoke at on a Wednesday evening and it was a learner and parent talk. Sure. And just my drive there um, through different parts of Johannesburg that I wouldn't normally drive through informed me about something about my audience. And then getting to the school and seeing how the children were so unbelievably respectful and helpful. Mm. And I have not felt quite so loved and adored for a long time and supported. (laughs) I mean, these... um, Grade 11, grade 12s, I think they were, were, were running around like bees to a honeypot. Mm. How could they help me? Was there anything I wanted to eat or drink? Was there anything else they could do? They landed up selling my books for me. They were so efficient. I have not seen a bunch of, of children so eager to please, respectful, supportive. I mean, they didn't know me from Adam. Yes, I was the, sure. the guest speaker. The guest speaker. And, and they were putting their best foot forward. But it was also genuine. Um, and I haven't experienced that from from children for a long time. Mm. And then also the, the adults who were in the room. It was just lovely to walk amongst them before I spoke to get to know who they were and how old their children were and where they work. And, you know, it's, it's this almost a depth perception that we have lost during COVID mm-hmm. that I'm so grateful to get back again. A sense of... Um, of people, a three-dimensional sense of people. And just, you know, that that led me to think about, let's talk about emotional intelligence and the vocabulary that we need in order to express mm. ourselves. Mm. Um, because I, I, do, I do know that children are losing it. And when we, when we speak to teachers, particularly English teachers or language teachers, where you have to do creative writing, there's just such a lack of descriptive words in children's mm-hmm. vocabulary so sure this uh, that's that's quite um yeah that's quite that's quite a um, i guess distressing occurrence right how can there be a lack of descriptive words among school going children because one imagines that beyond the home uh reading is taking place in all the other subjects as well. You assume kids are uh, picking up vocabulary and utilizing that and incorporating it into their daily lives. But uh, you're focusing on parents and the home. So the role of conversation is one key element. Just talk to us about that, Nikki. Absolutely critical. And you see what's happening is the children are getting into the car after school and picking up a device instead of having a conversation with mum or dad. Mm. And so we do allow that to happen, or we are on a phone and not actually conversing with our children. Mm -hmm. So the car is a wonderful place to have conversations, and conversation is really like a tennis match. It's serve and return, serve and return. And to have decent conversation, we have to have listening skills. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be listening for meaning, not listening to reply. Mm -hmm. And so often, because we are in a hurry as parents, we are listening to reply. We are not listening to the nuances that are going on in the conversation. Or 
We don't have the time to allow our children to get the words out because they are maybe speaking slower than us, processing slower than us because they're maybe quite young. Sure. Think of preschoolers, say preschoolers to seven-year-olds um, who are still learning the art of conversation. And it's so easy to finish their sentences for mm. them mm. without giving them the time to find the words to explain what's going on or how they're feeling. Mm. And in that way, we shut our children down and we are passing on a message to them that we're not interested in their conversation. So let's be really careful. Let's set it up well. And we get home and then we're very busy, aren't we? Because now we've got to cook dinner and all those things. And the one thing that I think I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it 10 times to my audiences this week, because actually I had three talks around technology and kids. Mm -hmm. We have to create sacred family time. And whether you live in a shack or a mansion, when it comes to eating a meal together, like perhaps supper time, I don't care whether you sit around a dining room table, a kitchen table, a coffee table, or you sit on the floor. Face each other, switch off those devices, and make eye contact when you're having a conversation. And the art of conversation around dinner, around a meal, becomes a ritual. And it becomes that sacred time where everybody knows the devices are put away and that we actually pay attention to each other. Mm. And children learn that the art of conversation is turn-taking. And it's not butting in. It's taking time to listen and having your turn to speak. So those are social skills that are very, very important and are often missed today because people are not sitting and having a meal together. Mm. They're sitting in front of a television or they are each in a different place in the house on a different device watching a different program. Yeah. To that end, uh, a whole, the hallmark of a lot of the dinnertime conversational rituals that you talk about, Nikki, is checking in with each other, right? So if we are talking about expanding children's emotional vocabulary, that checking in means that you're able to help a child process events of the day, feelings around events of the day, and perhaps then drilling down further and passing what an actual, what an emotion actually is. So if your child might say something like, because of screen time and the adoption of um, <laughs> Americanisms <laughs> and vocabulary, if your child comes to you and says, Jason kicked me and I was very mad after that. How do we begin to pass? Well, what is mad? Mm. First of all, is it the correct use of the word? Perhaps you're frustrated because you didn't get your lick in. Or perhaps you actually were sad more than anything because your feelings were hurt. Absolutely. Just uh, the art of passing and helping to label things yeah. correctly. So let's, let's put two exercises and frameworks in play here. The one being that at the dinner table... You can play the sweets and the sours game mm -hmm. where you can go around the family and everybody in the first round has the opportunity to share the worst thing that happened to them in the day. The prickle of the day, the sour of the day. They get to say what it is, but they have to follow with how did it make them feel. So they have to label the feeling. Mm -hmm. The great thing about this exercise, so the first round is the negative round, the second round is the positive round, is that this may be the first time you're all stopping at the same time in the day 
And it's the first time you all get to hear the same thing at the same time from each other. Mm -hmm. So everybody is now in the picture. And everybody knows what's either irritated, upset you, frustrated you, made you angry. And they've also found out what's made you happy and excited and glad and all of those things. So there's a nice balance there. Because there's always something good and something bad in Mm -hmm. the day. So it does give you perspective. The second thing is, as you were saying, there's more than just one word to describe how you're feeling. And if you look at the emotions wheel, and I've got a copy of it here for you, the emotions wheel is a lovely thing. Go to the internet, to all the parents who are listening, go and print yourself off a feelings wheel or an emotions wheel. And in the center of the emotions wheel are the basic emotions. There's angry. You mentioned uh, I'm mad. So there's, it's usually I feel mad, I feel bad, Mm. I feel sad, or I feel happy. Those are like the core um, emotions. In the middle of this wheel, there's angry, disgusted, sad, happy, surprised, bad, and fearful. And then it radiates out into detail. So for example, happy could mean proud, Mm -hmm. and proud then splits into successful confidence. So if your child came home and said, I feel so happy because I got a good mark for maths, you can then drill down. And if they don't have words for it, you could whip out this emotions wheel and then you can say, well, if you're feeling happy, does that mean you're feeling proud or you're feeling, for example, Interested or accepted. I mean, there's a whole lot of words here. Content, playful, powerful, peaceful, trusting, optimistic. Mm -hmm. And those then split out into more. So um, proud, for example, splits out into successful or confident. Mm. Because feeling happy about getting a good mark might mean that your child is suddenly feeling confident, maybe in a subject where they didn't feel confident before. And this is important that there are degrees of emotion because they inform the patterning in their minds about who they are, their perception of who they are and their experience and interaction with the world. And so you do want to get to that place where they understand what happy really means to them. Mm. Happy is kind of the blanket term. Sure. And I guess, uh, not I guess, it's so important in helping them make decisions in the long run. So what motivates me versus what takes away from my drive, right? Or what inspires me? Uh, It really, really is key. So we're practicing in all this, in this dinnertime ritual, uh, reflective and uh, empathic listening. Yes. Yes. Just define those for us. Well, once again, we go back to the quality of our listening. And listening is the part of communication we really do very badly because we are listening to, to respond. So when we're listening, we're listening and we're planning our response instead of listening deeply. So the, um, the empathic listening, say, for example, you collect your daughter from school mm-hmm. um, and you can see she's upset, but she's not saying anything. You could say, I can see you're very upset about something or I can tell you're excited. What happened? So you are immediately tuning in. You're showing her your deep listening, Mm -hmm. so that reflective listening, and then you're opening the door for a conversation. She may turn around to you and say, I don't want to talk about it, Mm. but 
she heard that you acknowledge that you know she's not okay. Yeah. And that's half the battle won because those three questions that I talk about often, do you see me? Do you hear me? Am I important to you? In that little interchange or exchange, you said, I see you. You said, I hear you, even though she had said nothing. And you conveyed that she's important to you, mm -hmm. even if she doesn't want to say anything. Mm. So that's important that you pick up on the emotional vibes your child is giving you and you reflect back on it. And often that's all they need to blurt out that they've had a fight with a friend sure. or they're really sad about something mm. or whatever it is. It's just opening the door to that conversation. And the big thing is, I see you. Yeah, I see. So even in the case of a child who's reticent to talk about their emotions or their experiences, um, you keep on doing that. So we in get, the hopes of we get children mm -hmm. who have different communication styles as do adults. We have talkers and non-talkers. We have touchers mm -hmm. and non-touchers. We have pain children and non-pain children. These are their ways of communicating to the world beyond the words. So, for example, I have two children, and one of them is a talker-toucher. Very easy, because I'm also a talker-toucher. Sure. So, we have very easy communication. I have another child who is a non-talker, non-toucher. And there, I have to work much harder as a parent. And I learned with him to use this emotions wheel. Mm. I also learned to give him scales. So, from one to ten... Now, yeah. okay, so I quickly <laughs> write down on a piece of paper what I think I'm witnessing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm witnessing anger, if I'm witnessing frustration, if I'm witnessing sadness, and then I just go from one to ten, how do you feel? Ten is most extreme and, and one is the least extreme. And then I get a very quick gauge of whether my reflection of where he's at is right or not because – he could give me the number, if, even if he couldn't give me the words. Yeah, yeah. And that was a quick, easy dip in, like an emotional temperature check mm. um, for me and for him, because it gave him the words that he didn't have, and it gave me the insight, and it often then resulted in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's a child who, for example, didn't need a hug necessarily, but to quietly lie on his floor while he was doing his homework helped him to understand that I saw him, mm -hmm. I heard him, and he was important to me, made him feel fantastic mm -hmm. that I was just holding the space for him. Yeah. Okay, lovely. So um, the role that books and reading and literature have to play in all of this, uh, yeah. which is ultimately helping your child synthesize and incorporate, incorporate experiences, right? So what do stories enable? Um, positioning of emotional language because there are scenarios mm. in these stories. So we're talking about proper stories here. Yes. We're not talking about letting kids read magazines. We're talking about real books, real stories with characters who feel things and there's conversation. And the way you read stories to your children, of course, conveys emotion sure. if you're in the reading phase. Yeah. And then we need to talk to our children when they're older, ask them about what they're reading so see what their comprehension skills are like. And what were the emotions in the story? Get them to label 
enable them. But stories can really be huge in building the emotional vocabulary. So don't skip out on them. It's so easy to skip out on reading because we don't have time. But it's a brilliant way to teach children to build that emotional vocabulary. Mm, Sure. All right. Lots of work to do, but all things that really benefit yourself, benefit the child and are so worth doing, Nikki. For any parent who is convinced or just thinks they are, in fact, way too busy to do all of this, we could literally take time away from, you mentioned screen time quite a lot, (laughs) right? And being obsessed with our devices. But there are any number of things that we can sort of take away our attention and time from and devote it towards more empathic and um, uh, empathic and meaningful listening and conversation. Yeah, I don't think it's difficult. We don't have to make more time to do it. Mm. We just have to use the time that we do have. So when you're in the car, when you're around the dinner table, when you're in the kitchen, when it's bedtime, those are all things you do anyway. Improve the quality of what you do, not the quantity, the quality of that time with your children um, in the conversation and the words that you use with them and your listening skills. Mm -hmm. And I think that you'll find that is a huge investment to make sure your child does not grow up an emotional dwarf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very important. All right. We're going to leave it right there, Nikki. Thanks, Rafilwe. Pleasure as always having you in studio. And of course, you can find all those deets on NikkiBush.com.